0: What kind of kale are we talking about here? Are we uh, talking about... Is there a good kale? We're going to bake it, throw some... Potatoes in it? <laughs> yeah, potatoes But <laughs> There's, you know, with the kale, uh, Zupa Toscano. Oh, yes. Okay, from that's Olive maybe Garden. The I could way. really get into that. That's the best <laughs> We might up, be kale. missing the point. You are listening
1: to the Echo Church Podcast, and we are on a mission of rescue and restoration into a vibrant and fulfilled life. Hey everyone, this is one of our Deep Dive episodes. So we take a look at a past sermon from a Sunday morning and try to go a little bit deeper. This episode is with Pastor Andy Cass and Scott Scholl.
0: Pop quiz, what are the four areas that we should be generous in?
2: Well, I can say personally, I was challenged by the words message a lot. Be more generous with our words. I was challenged by the wealth message and and what that means for us. Um, Time. I don't know. I'm just going to make up stuff. What else?
0: So there's four W's. Okay. Four W's. So we feel like James is expressing to us that we should be generous with our words. Our wealth. Got another W there? I don't. Our work. Work, okay. And our... I got nothing. Praise hands, our worship.
2: Oh, nice. Now, have we done work or worship? (laughs) We have not. Okay, so I don't have to feel so guilty. I'm like, I sit through two services a week.
0: I know, but every week I bring those things up. So you should feel slightly, slightly horrible.
2: You should do like a dance when you do them, and then I'll totally (laughs) remember. Like if there's a little jig involved,
0: I'm in. So, yeah, we we have talked about words and we've talked about wealth. And this last week when we were speaking about wealth, our first service went over considerably. (laughs) (laughs) That's an understatement. Now, there is a lot of moving elements to that. We know that we went longer than we we wanted to. Uh, At the same time, uh, even going over, I had cut so much material out that we just didn't get to and i feel like we should talk about a few things i think that's great i think to maybe bring a little deeper understanding of uh, what it what it means to be generous with our wealth
2: well and i think the thing you started to really press on was (laughs) wealth isn't the other guy down the street wealth isn't the guy who has the bigger house or the nicer car you quoted quite a few things that kind of remind us all that, that we need to be, be responsible and, and deliberate with what we have.
0: We're going beyond just money. Correct. Wealth, money, monetary wealth is, yes, one area. At the same time, there's other areas of wealth. Well, you talked
2: about it in the messages, just the reminder that you could be wealthy in time. Mm-hmm. You and I've talked about wealth of vision before. We've talked about these different ideas. And so uh, you're right. It, it goes beyond. It definitely goes beyond money and into a, a lot of other areas.
0: When we talk about wealth, uh, the one thing that I want you to hear, and when we talk about generosity, is it comes down to our priorities, whatever we put our mind to, uh, whatever we, we set our hearts upon is where we'll go with the help of God. And I really do believe that. So when we talk about this concept of being generous, if it is with our words or with our wealth or with our worship or our work, it starts with a decision that I believe comes out of the center of our being, and that's our heart. So everything we talk about with wealth or words or the other W words, it all starts with the heart. And I and we do this every service, and I really like it. It's what we call the echo uh, liturgy. At the end, we pray. as a prayer, surrender and saying, "God, you know what, have this heart. Have our life. And we believe that everything will come out of an overflow of the position of our heart. So we consistently and constantly want to surrender that to Jesus. And that's the same way with our wealth. I say all that to say this is when we talk about wealth, we talk about finances, we talk about budgeting, we talk about money. Yes, we're talking about that, but that's not what God wants. That's right. God wants your heart. And it's doesn't matter how much money you give to an organization or how big of a do-gooder you are, uh, you're not going to be loved more by God. That's right. We know that. And I just want to articulate that. I want to mention that as we continue to talk about money, because uh, I think it can be a really uh, tricky place where people start feeling as if they've got to earn the love of God. But I believe that the way we respond and how we manage our wealth, how we uh, are generous with our finances or our time or our talent is is supposed it's supposed to be a response from the acceptance of God Genesis 4 there's a story of Of some people here and you're probably well familiar with a lady named eve and then she has two boys and they're birthed in this order first she has cain and his name in hebrew means possession okay let me pause here for some of you that that may need to know a little bit more of the background of how these stories were passed uh, generation from generation it was from their mouth so, generation after generation after generation, before they actually ever wrote this down, it was something they passed word of mouth. So everything that is in this story is something very specific. And it was put there for an exact reason. And I believe what you begin to see in this, this first, one of these first stories of the Bible is that Eve's heart automatically moves into the place of wanting to possess something. And so if we're going to possess anything, what we can possess is our kids. Now, let me pause. I didn't say this in the first hour, but I really think some of us need to hear this. Some of the kids that get really messed up, it's for the parents that really believe that they possess their kids. And they forget that God, all they wanted him to do or us to do is to cultivate and to care for our kids. And we don't own our kids. Amen. And the same thing here in the garden. What we see here is, is, is I believe, Eve's heart and the desire to want to possess Something to actually own it. And and she says this, and I don't know if she's saying it. I don't know if she just said it, but she said this, I have acquired a man from God. If you look at the Hebrew there, it also could be translated as I have possessed a man from the Lord. I have purchased a man from the Lord. I believe this is a glimpse into humanity. This is a natural progression of who we are. Now, later on, what happens is she has another son. His name is Abel, and his name means breath and vapor, probably out of just the reality of living a short life. Because what later happens is this is is it says Cain or Abel is going to graze and he's going to feed and he's going to cultivate and care for the sheep. And while Abel is going to work the soil from the sweat of his brow, he's going to have to make a lot of effort to come up with his... Food and the stuff that he's trying to produce. And over a course time, it says this Cain brings his offering to God. But then it says Abel brings the firstborn sheep. And when he brings the firstborn sheep, he gives of the fat to the Lord, which is the best parts to the Lord. And it says God accepts Abel's offering and, and is pleased with it, and at the same time doesn't look necessarily favorably upon Cain's and, and, and when when that Happen. And when Cain experienced it, Cain became angry. And you know the story, Cain eventually kills Abel out in the field. And so what I want to talk to you today at the beginning of time, why is it that when humans bring an offering to God and where there's two different people, there's a Cain and there's an Abel, why one's disappointed and one is not? Why one offers something that God completely accepts at the same time, one that God doesn't necessarily accept with as much as excitement. And so this is what I want to tell you. I believe Cain, the reason why he was disappointed, why he was angry in life, why he ended up doing what he did is because I think he had a perspective when it came to God himself and his wealth. The so first thing in my observations is this, is Cain could have thought that what he offered God is what he produced. How many of you know that if you work the ground, if you are a farmer, that all the farmer can do is really cultivate the ground, but they cannot produce the crops. They cannot themselves grow the crops. They can cultivate the surroundings. They cannot grow the crops. So, but I think he thought he offered God a thanks from what he possessed, what he grew. Instead of believing That all he was doing was managing the product, managing the situation and scenario around him. I believe that he came really buying into this idea and being tricked by the world that everything that I have is actually because of me. I think from time to time, we like to look in the mirror and think like, hey, you know what? How self-made am I? I think if you look in the mirror, most of us, if we're not careful, will begin to believe that we are self-made, that that we are a 10 on the scale, when the reality is, I believe, is we're about a one, all of us. Everything we have is not because of us. Yes, we can work hard, but it's from the blessings of God. Number two, Cain uh, could have thought when he came and he was disappointed in the offering and God's response, because he could have thought that he worked harder than Abel. This is what I call the, the comparison and competitive culture and spirit that we can have as human. See, I believe he could have looked at the vegetation that he produced and he cultivated as a means in order for Abel to feed his sheep. Do you you catch on that? So Cain, he's helping create this vegetation so that Abel's sheep can eat. I think it'd be easy for him to look at the offering and go, hey, not only am I offering the, the produce to God, and by the way, I'm kind of doing it first, and, and then, you know, Abel, my brother's going to bring it. I also, like, that sheep wouldn't be around if I wasn't doing this vegetation thing. And I think in this culture, we have to be careful to not start, uh, not really buy into the lie that, that we're doing it better than everybody else that we're giving more and we're working harder for what we have. And then the third perspective that I think that Cain uh, honestly came when he's given to God is, is Cain could have thought that he deserved God's attention. He could have looked at his birth order and said, Hey, but God, I'm the firstborn and I worked harder. And oh, by the way, I gave in more volume. Just think about it. Just picture this. Abel comes and brings one sheep over his shoulder and he gives God of just the, the fat parts, the best parts of that sheep. And then there's Cain and I could see him just like dragging along a, a cart full of that is just overloaded with his produce. I, I think it's easy to begin to believe that, that when it comes to, the, to our economy and our blessing and what we give back to God, that it's actually about quantity but I believe in God's economy. It doesn't work like that. It's not necessarily a hand thing. It's a heart thing. Like in your words, what did you hear me say?
2: One of the things I found really interesting, or one of the things that stuck with me the most on the Cain and Abel side was this Cain would have told himself he contributed to Abel's success. And I've never, it's never really, I've never really thought about it like that. I've never really, it's never really occurred to me like that before because Abel would have been fully reliant on Cain's production, Cain's cultivation to create what he did. So I wonder if Abel was, it was easier for him to think about his reliance on God because he was already reliant on another person for the success of what he had. Where Cain, on the other hand, could have probably told himself it was him. You used the word self made earlier. I think Cain could have been easier to believe, it would have been easier for him to believe that he was self made, where Abel had to take what his brother had produced from the beginning.
0: So, just for the listeners, for those that may not have listened to the message, uh, what I had suggested, uh, in, in my opinion, I think Cain could have looked at his offering and said, Hey, here, Lord, this is what I have produced for you. This is what I possess and here, have it back. At the same place, I think Cain could have been like, hey, God, just remember this. When Abel brings that lamb to you, I'm the one who fed the lambs or the lamb. And uh, even on this basis, as you were just speaking, I was thinking about it like, you know, in order to have a great produce, right? A good uh, reaping season it it makes you weed throughout the year sure if you have a bunch of weeds takes all the good stuff takes all the good stuff it's going to ruin the the crops as you can hear listeners scott and i are big farmers <laughs> 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 oh far from it but i just think about that i think like, good stuff is totally a technical farm term i just like envisioning things and again this is opinion This is my mind, my crazy mind and where it can go. But I just envision like Cain weeding throughout the day and throwing the weeds off to the side. And there's a there's a sheep eating the weeds that he has just pulled. (laughs) So that's kind of where my mind goes when you had mentioned what you said and, you know, whether or not that's truth. And and what we do have to understand is these are stories in scripture. Uh, They were handed generation after generation down verbally until it was written down. And so I really believe that everything that was put in there was meant to be put in there. I think evoke thoughts like we're having right now, discussions like we're having, Okay, like the what ifs. And so I just love having topics or discussions about things like that. And so I think it is quite possible that Cain carried a little bit of a pride when he walked into that. Offering, expecting that the Lord would—it's obvious <laughs> the Lord's going to like mine better. Well, and here you also
2: talked this weekend about quantity. Think about the—I don't know—wheelbarrow full mm-hmm. of produce that he would have dropped off, where instead Abel gives a portion of a sheep. And so, from a sheer quantity standpoint, the 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 produce would have far exceeded the the mass that Abel brought to the table.
0: And the last thing I'd mention is that Cain could have thought that he deserved the attention. And the one thing that I really emphasized, and I probably didn't emphasize it at the moment, but I really had in my heart that has has some connotations biblically throughout the Old Testament for sure, is Cain could have been like, hey, I'm the firstborn here. So give me what I deserve. But what we see consistently in the Old Testament is the firstborn albeit they're the ones that are supposed to get the blessing and the inheritance. We see over and over and over it. It isn't that. Absolutely. It's
2: Jacob and Esau. I mean, it passes on down. You're exactly
0: right. And so what i suggested is this, is that God's economy just doesn't work the same way as ours does. Thank goodness. <laughs> the point that we mentioned about Abel is why, why did God look at his offering favorably is because he gave of, His first and his best and his best. Cain. We don't know what he gave, but I think it's safe to assume it wasn't his first or his best. It might not have been his first and it might not have been his best. Sure. So how, how do, how do we as followers of Christ, how can we give of our first and maintain being people who give of our best? Well, it's interesting because
2: nowadays we don't we don't work in the the goods economy, right? We don't work in the the commodities economy where you grow something or you you know again our farmer talk you you just produce something and then you trade it for something else. You instead what you earn and what I earn and what everybody else who has a job earns is dollars, right? It's money, and so it's not about what you give because it will there's not a there's not a better dollar than another dollar in terms of quality right where there might have been a better carrot than another carrot or there might have been a better sheet than another sheep. but you talked about i i think to me first and best have now become synonymous they're the same thing in my eyes which is the way we give our best the way we give what is the most precious to us is to give first and those two things combined are kind of what what get us to that place of, of best and first and then uh, it causes us to to be reliant on who God is going forward and trusting that He's got us in and, and he's taking care of us.
0: Growing up, what was your financial situation?
2: Uh, so it was it was challenging. I'll say that. My mom, a uh, single mom, and she worked very hard to make sure we had what we needed. And, you know, we didn't uh, we didn't lose power or anything like that, but there was certainly financial challenges growing up.
0: So for me, most of my upbringing uh, was my dad worked at the paper mill, okay. and he had a, a pretty good job for that. I I really don't know what he got paid. Sure. And my mom stayed at home for most of my life until I think I hit I mean, my my youngest sister or my only sister (laughs) that I'm aware of (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, went to school. Then she went back to work. Uh, And so we were never a family that felt like we had tons. Sure.
2: Three Uh, kids too. I mean that,
0: yeah, three kids. So so I only want to mention our scenario because sometimes people who don't have a lot uh, and, and maybe even you being in a single uh, parent home, uh, we can adopt what I call a, the scarce, scarcity mentality. No question. Now, you know me, and I know you. We've known each other for years, and that's not what I have seen in your life. I don't view you as someone who who holds on to things really tight, uh, and that you're constantly worried about where the next you know meal's coming to. How did you get to that place?
2: Boy, that's a really good question. Because I think if you asked my wife that question when I was like, when we first got married, I think she would have told you I was more of kind of that scarcity mindset. So I think that was very normal. But I can also say uh, the year we got married, we made more money than my family had ever made before. Uh, and so that kind of put things in perspective. And I think another thing that was a big challenge for us was you know, we live in a give it to me now society. And for a little while Jamie and I fell into that same place which was hey what can we get now doesn't matter when we pay for it let's figure out these things. And so instead God challenged us to walk through those things, get our finances figured out and try to realize that that this isn't doing it on our own wasn't going to work. And so we we both had gifts when it came to our finances. A big one for me was uh, I was never afraid of the giving, but the organizational piece and the making sure it gets done and those kinds of things were a challenge. And so when I spent time with Jamie and she's like, hey, just we just got to get a budget. And so with us getting married, it was the first time I'd ever worked on a budget and giving became a part of our budget. And so I think honestly, God showing up the number of times our first year of marriage, I can remember where our bank account should not have had any money and, and it did or just things like that, where I felt like God was blessing us in ways we probably didn't. I, I know we didn't deserve, but but just always taking care of us, always meeting those needs. And, and over time, we stepped out a little more. You used a phrase and I can't remember if it was part of the message or just our conversation, but the idea of giving and generosity is kind of a muscle. Mm-hmm. And if you don't use it, it's really hard to do. And so for us, giving and for me, giving initially was a real hard challenge. You talked about the scarcity mindset. Well, now there's this chunk of money that's going out that I don't have any control over anymore. But as we continue to step out in faith and God challenged us and God pushed us and we were able to, to do some other really cool things, I think it just forced us to, to let go and just trust God and trust God and moving across the country and trust God and moving across the country again and trust God to, to provide for, for the big and the small and everything in between. and. It just is something that we had kind of been forced to work into.
0: So tell me about that first time that you gave back to God. It might be in the context of church or a missions adventure. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but would love to hear about your history of giving.
2: That's a good question. I, I, a big one for us was, so we started, uh, we started to tithe in our marriage. But I don't think it would have been I don't think we were really challenged in our giving or really probably took a big step until a few years later. And the church we went to and had gone to for a long time had a program that was called Kingdom Builders. And the idea was this. What can we do to make a difference? And you've heard Andy say here, there and everywhere. What can we do to make a difference in our community, in the area and around the world? And Jamie and I really felt compelled and challenged to do that. So it was our first step towards, I would say towards trying to be generous. And we both wanted to be generous. Neither one of us fought the idea of generosity. I probably fought more that I wanted the budget to work every time. And instead we felt really fo- really challenged, really encouraged to step out. And with those steps, we got to see God move in ways that I, I, I mean, more ways than I can even speak of.
0: I was listening to a podcast the other day and this guy, uh, John Mark Comer is a pastor. And he mentioned like, hey, have you ever heard of the standard of living increase? Have you ever ever considered this a standard of giving increase? Mm, That's good. At what point in your life do you look at what you have? Or what's been given to you and what God has asked you to steward and say, you know what? This is enough. And anything beyond this point, I'm just going to give it. And I think that's the trap of America and us. No matter what age you are, there's no vision to give more. Sure. It's the vision of giving what's expected. Now, if you're a biblical scholar, if you're a theologian, if you actually start calculating what God is actually asking the Israelites to give, it's actually around 23%. (laughs) <laughs> but for some reason we think 10% is the bare minimum and I'm not, no, I'm not or the saying, maximum. We think or of the, it as ma- the maximum. maximum. Yep. Yep. The maximum. Yes. I, I'm not, and I'm not saying, and I'm nor am I suggesting that, that we're less than if we're not doing that. Sure. But what's clear in the new Testament and with Jesus Christ is he says this, be generous.
1: Absolutely. Do
2: you think, so you talked about the muscle memory of your giving would you have described yourself as generous during those times where you're writing a check? It's routine. Would you have considered that, 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 that check you wrote generous? Mm -mm. And so when you said that earlier, I was thinking about that, that for me, there are times where I give and it's not generous. And there are times where we and I say, I, it's we, or there's times where we give, and it's very generous and, and, and just trying to kind of keep those things in perspective, because if I'm man, I, I love the idea and the power of reminding yourself that it doesn't come from you. And so for me, the tithe does that. If I give 10 percent, it's reminding me that, hey, I didn't create any of this. It's all God's. It's actually a big political conversation right now. Elizabeth Warren, she's she's arguing right now to really, really raise taxes. But her whole point is, listen. Jeff Bezos, you didn't do it all on your own. Mm. You had the help and support of these programs and this government and all these different things. And so that's kind of her argument. Well, if we remove the government from it instead, say, hey, you know, Scott and Jamie, the reason that you guys are able to afford blank is because God was faithful. God, or I don't even like the faithful. God gave you something. It all came from God. God God is generous. God is generous. That's exactly right. And the amazing thing is uh, when we talk about being in other parts of the world, you use this this weekend, uh, when we spend time in in some of the poorest places in the world, and my wife and I've gotten to do that multiple times, and you see the smiles and you see the heart and you see the generosity in people, it reminds you that it's not... It's not about the car you drive or the house you live in. It's the heart you have. It's the person you're pursuing. It's, it's who you are, are striving to be in Christ that really matters. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way you can really start to understand what it means to be generous.
0: Mm-hmm. So we're saying a lot. We've said a lot. It's a pretty heavy podcast. Maybe. <laughs> I'm going to tell some jokes in here or something. <clears throat> well, where do we go from? I mean, where do we go from here uh, for those that are listening, where should you go? And I, I would, I think where I'm currently just kind of thinking about is like, maybe we should just give a little more. Give a little more uh, than what we did last week. And so like what we've mentioned at the end of the message was this is that, that, that there's a first step. And that first step, I believe, in becoming a giver, is just to give today. Give to the give to the church. Give to Echo Church, and see what we can do with that generosity. Now, at the same time, for those that have are kind of like me, who have taken that first step, that next step, I think is really, really important. Now, let me just mention this: Christy and I just went to a missions conference. Mm-hmm. And I had placed in my heart, a certain amount of money that that ECHO should give to project 42. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and so I'd written it down as, you know, just kind of a pledge of saying, Hey, this is what we hope to give in the next year. And then the guy who was leading project 42 came up and said, Hey, if every single one of us give this amount of money, we'll get to this point. And I did some quick calculation and I looked at Christy next to me and I realized that the exact amount of money that I wrote down for a pledge Mm -hmm. was the exact amount times two of what he had mentioned. That's awesome. That's good. And then the last thing, and and I'm stealing all this from a a pastor up in the cities, Rob Ketterling, but he said, Hey, what's that big step that God wants you to take? I love it. What's that vision of generosity that you'll never get to unless God completely steps in and helps you get there? Like that's the type of faith and that's the type of generosity that I want to live within. But one of the things in today's culture that will automatically stop someone from giving more, whatever that is. 1%, 10%, 23%, committing to a standard of giving increase type sure, of thing sure. um, is the simple reality of this culture is we've already spent it. Uh, we don't have it, so therefore we can't give it. Sure. All that to say, I think if we want to be generous, sometimes we got to do a pre-workout before actually getting to the point of generosity. (laughs) That's good. And so one of the things at Echo that I really want to create is this heart to get out of debt. I like it. To not purchase things that we don't have the money for.
2: Well, think about what a difference that's made in you and Christy's life personally. Think about the last, I mean, listen, we talk a fair amount and I don't know a lot of the details, but I've got to think financially the last 12 or 15 months have created some challenges. But I also, you and I talk about giving and you and I talk about being generous and I feel challenged and encouraged by you when we talk about those things. And I can't imagine that you would have been able to ride through this season and been able to stay steadfast on the goal of planning a church and doing those things if most of or if everything you were making was tied up into something
0: else. How many of us have missed the dream because we weren't prepared for it? Mm, that's good. That's good. I, it's about lunchtime, so I could use some Zupa Toscana. Some Should we go kind of to olive varieties. garden after this? I'm in, man. Are you buying? I'm in. Absolutely. I'd be happy to buy. <laughs> Generous. <laughs> I'd love to. Generous. Hey, let me leave it on this one thought. Abraham has just saved Lot. Okay. For the first time. Okay. <laughs> okay or God really has helped Abraham do so. And he meets with the king of Salem and Abraham after the victory. And assuming like a pretty big financial increase, you know, in our terms. Sure. He comes to the king priest of Salem, Melchizedek, and he gives 10%. And Melchizedek says, no, but here you can... I only want this, but you give me, I'll give you all this back to you. And this is what Abraham said in return. And I just love it. And I want to have this type of heart. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom with raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord God, most high possessor or the creator of heaven and earth, that I will not accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a strap of a sandal. I like to say thong. So that you will never be able to say that I made Abram rich. Mm. You can tell where his heart is in that. Like, man, that's what I want to, that's where I want to be. I want to be a person that like when financially or health wise or career wise, I achieve certain things that I look at. That circumstance or that situation, that blessing, that victory. And I go, you know what? This had nothing to do with me. It's good. It had everything to do with God. And then also when I read this, I think, let's not take any shortcuts.
2: Mm, That's
0: good. Because how many times have we had that shortcut in front of us that we could have taken and we could have done it on our own? But that was probably not the best idea. So when I think of Cain and Abel, this is my final thought. Abel's offering was acceptable because he gave of his first and his best. And by doing so, it was more or less saying, God, you know what? I'm putting my full trust in you. That you are the possessor of this world, the creator of this world. And what I have and what I don't have, I'll let you determine that you determine what is good for me.
1: What an amazing place to be. Thank you so much for listening to the Echo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take just a second to share it with a friend or family member who might need to hear this word today. And if you're feeling alone, lost, have a question, or want help with anything, please reach out to us. We are the echo.church slash contact. We would love to help you no matter who you are or where you're at. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn more, make sure to head over to that website, wearetheecho.church to get all the details and upcoming services and events.